And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Head of the Pack, our first training camp show. Matt Schneiman here with Bill Huber. It's been a while since we've talked to you guys. There hasn't really been much going on, but after four training camp practices, we'll kind of hit the reset on where the Packers are, what we've seen through the first four days, our overreactions, our impressions. Um, get to some of your questions. It's football season again. We're busy. That's a good thing. Bill, give me one overreaction, your biggest overreaction. I don't care if there isn't much logic behind it. I want your biggest hot take through the first four days of camp. Um, well, I will let some of the readers talk about Romeo Daub's Hall of Fame credentials. I'm going to say Rashawn Gary is an All-Pro. He's been, a, he's been. I mean, gosh, Rodgers is getting ticked off today because he was in his face yeah. for, for for much of the practices, and he's been in the quarterback's face for much of four days of practices. Um, I look, I get it. Bakhtiari is not out there. Jenkins isn't out there. He's going up against Yash Nyman and you know, right tackle du jour. But uh, he's been. He's been phenomenal, and which probably isn't like a super hot take, but he's been really, really good. What do you got, Matt? I think you said you'd let your the, the readers uh, profess Romeo Dobbs Hall of Fame credentials. I'm not going to let the readers do it because I'm going to do it. I think he'll be a top three wide receiver on this team at uh, some point before the halfway point of the season. I think that's a... a a take that's more than lukewarm. He's been uh, the star of camp on the offensive side of the ball. He's made a highlight reel catch or more seemingly every day. He did it in the offseason too. Uh, Matt LaFleur loves how he's in the facility early every day, getting stuff situated at his locker, uh, rolling himself out in the trainer's room. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers just doesn't throw up fades in the back corner of the end zone against Eric Stokes to anyone. I'm not saying he trusts Romeo Dobbs like Jordy Nelson, but that 12 to 87 connection, uh, back shoulder, just kind of throw it up and let him go get it over a, over a cornerback is something these Packer fans know all too well. Uh, and it might happen again. He, he has great hands at the, at the point of contest, made another contested catch today against safety Sean Davis on a nice throw from Jordan Love. Um, he just keeps showing out. And yes, it's only three actual practices, four technical practices. Um, but I think the Packers might have had a steal here if, if the early returns are any indication. Yeah, he had a drop like late in practice today. And I was thinking about on the way home from, from soccer. I don't remember. That might be the only negative play that I've seen. What do we have? We have, what, five offseason practices between OTs and minicamp. So there was five and kind of so and three slash four um, this week. You know, I'm, I'm sure he's had negatives in the in the film room, but just looking from from our perspective, you know, drops or looks like you know wrong routes or anything. I don't remember anything. He's been really good, and that that catch that you mentioned against Stokes was 
I, I asked him about it in the, in the locker room afterward, and it was like this veteran savvy thing where he said he's watched on film that when cornerbacks' backs are turned, the ball comes your way. And on that play, Eric Stokes' back was turned, the ball came his way, and he's jumped over Stokes' backside and made the catch. It was in, – in nothing phases him, Matt. It's like we're all talking to him. It's like whatever, right? He's just taking it all in stride, which, which, <laughs> yeah. is, a pretty, which is a really big deal, I think, for these, for these young guys. Absolutely. And, and here's the quote you're talking about uh, on that touchdown over Stokes. He said, I knew it was a man look because he had a heavy eye on me. Just wanted to attack leverage and Aaron threw a great ball and I was able to make a great grab and go on to the next play. I had just enough space from the sideline to make sure I can get the ball and get my feet in bounds. Pre-snap, I had a feeling the ball was coming to me just based on spacing. Stokes's back was turned and I've noticed watching film that the majority of the QB's throws, receivers get chances based on the DB's point of view. His back was turned from that point. He doesn't know where the ball is going to. If it's going to go over him, under him, he just knows to play a certain way after the catch, whether it's batted down or not. His back was turned. Aaron gave me a chance, and I was able to make something happen. You don't always hear that kind of thought process from a rookie. And like you said, he's very even keeled. Um, he talked the other day about, you know, not he understands celebrating is important, but he doesn't do it because he knows the next play could be a bad one, and he doesn't want to get too high, too low. It's cliche, but uh, for a rookie showing out through his first couple of practices, it's a, it's an encouraging sign for the Packers, I would say. Yeah, he's pretty polished. You know, he played in that air raid system at Nevada, so it's just different than NFL offenses. I get it, but I mean, they they, they threw a million balls his way. Um, he dominated basically every almost every game of his career, and he put up four catches, seventy five yards, or, or or a lot more. So he's used to the ball coming his way. Um, he's got, I, I went back and looked, he's got 10 and an eighth inch hands. Those are huge hands for a receiver goes. So that he's making all these catches probably shouldn't be surprised just because he's seen so many balls come his way. And Lafleur's talked about this too, where all these receivers come in so well prepared, getting back to the high school in the seven on seven stuff that they come up, you know, through the high school years. For most of my lifetime, Matt, a rookie receiver was kind of going to be second fiddle, third fiddle. He just wasn't going to do much. You know, Jordy Nelson didn't do much. Greg Jennings didn't do much. But it's it's a different era now where these guys are so well-trained. Colleges actually throw the football in like back when I was a kid when they just ran wishbone. Right. Um, these guys are really prepared, and he certainly seems to be. Let's go position group by position group for some takeaways, if there are significant ones. Like at running back, there aren't really. But let's start offensive line. Obviously, David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins will be in there when and if they're healthy. Uh, Bakhtiari was rehabbing outside today for the first time this week. Uh, he spoke to us the other day, basically said he feels great. He feels normal for the first time in a while after his uh, third knee procedure, which is concerning, uh, around the start of OTAs, which was, um, I believe, in mid-May. Mm-hmm. Um the Packers have not put a timetable on his return, which is understandable, because why would they, given the unpredictability of that knee, uh, which is something we've seen over the past 19 months since he tore his ACL? It's actually 19 months till the day tomorrow, yep. and he's still not practicing. So it's 100% a concern. Um, but he seemed confident that he'll play again. He wouldn't say it definitively, but he said he's excited to wake up from this nightmare that he's in. It, it's been a long, hard road. Um, Elton Jenkins looks good rehabbing, but then again, so did Bakhtiari last year. So right now they've been really rotating. Uh, two main starting fives, uh, 
from left to right, Yash Nyman, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Jake Hansen, and Royce Newman. And then the one they used on Thursday and then again today, Zach Tom, the rookie fourth-rounder from Wake Forest who played left tackle and center in college, has been at left tackle. And then Runyon, Myers, Newman at right guard, and Yash at right tackle. Um, I think they're screwed if, if Bakhtiari isn't ready. Listen, sure. we don't know if Bakhtiari is going to be his all-pro self if he gets healthy, but I think any version of Bakhtiari would probably be safer than, <coughs> excuse me, than trotting out Zach Tom on Aaron Rodgers' blindside week one against Zedarius Smith and Daniil Hunter. As much as they like Zach Tom, uh, Bakhtiari's got to get back on the field. I think he's going to, Matt. And that should, and that should have been my hot take, is David Bakhtiari starts all 17 games. I, ah. think, he'll be, I think he'll be out there week one. Rodgers said something, talking about his personal life and professional life, and said it's going to be a special year for Bakhtiari. So, I, and, and he seemed optimistic that he's going to play. He looked really good. And again, I hate to say that because he looked really good 14 months ago, but he looked really good running around out there today. Um, I don't, maybe, and I could be guilty, I could be guilty of reading too much into this, but if they really, really were concerned about Bakhtiari, wouldn't they just put Yash at left tackle every single play of training camp? Yeah. But instead of going with Zach Tom, Zach Tom's not playing left tackle. To me, that means they're really confident that Bakhtiari will be left tackle, but they have to have Yash playing right tackle. So if you have Zach Tom playing left tackle, then you can have Yash playing right tackle, which I would think would be his week one position. So I could be guilty of over-analysis there, but that's what I take out of it. That's a fair takeaway. We'll see what happens. Um, let's go wide receivers. I, I think the Sammy Watkins situation has been interesting to start camp. He missed the first two practices altogether. Uh, returned yesterday during kind of a lighter session. And then just did individual drills today. Matt LaFleur said, uh, seemed to indicate it wasn't a setback. They're just trying to ease him in. He'll return to team drills on Monday when they return to field. They have an off day Sunday. Um, Alan Lazard has been. Alan Lazard had a really nice jump ball catch uh, for a 16-yard touchdown at the end of two minute today from Aaron Rodgers. The play after Rodgers was almost picked off by Shamar Jean-Charles. Lazard's been his normal solid self. Whether he can be wide receiver one remains to be seen. And then Dobbs has really taken advantage of the opportunity with Watkins and Christian Watson out. Watson... It doesn't seem like he's. It's imminent that he's going to be back. He had no. He had a procedure on his knee after camp. Um, they decided to get it done then instead of wait till after the season. Um, he said he's taking it day by day. His return does not seem imminent, Bill. No, I'm, it maybe he's being coached to say that after the whole right. Bakhtiari thing. Maybe, maybe it's like yeah. all you guys, if you're hurt, give them nothing. Because if you give them nothing, then they can't come back and say, hey, do you have a setback? Well, I never give you a timeline. So, no, there's no setback. So Exactly. But, no, I, I do agree. I mean, he he wasn't even committing to being part of training camp. So, I, I thought that was a little noteworthy there. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, I'm waiting for Amari Rodgers to do something. I guess that's my takeaway. Because, to me, as much as Rodgers loves Randall Cobb, and he's still a pretty solid player, the upside there is Rodgers, Amari Rodgers. I just keep waiting for him to do something. And today he had a drop. Um, it was a little high because he's a little short. It was actually a good throw by Love. Got to catch that one. I just keep waiting for the guy who they thought they drafted in the third round last year for him to show up. Look, it's four practices, you know, 
life's going to go on. But I, I, I keep waiting. I keep waiting. I keep waiting. I haven't seen it. That's fair. And and kind of shifting to special teams, Amari Rogers here. We're not allowed to directly quote uh, <laughs> what coaches or players say on the practice field, but let's just say Rich Basaccia was irate when Amari Rogers fair caught a punt that Basaccia thought he should not have today. It was darn it, Amari. I pl- I really wish you'd return the next one. I think that's what he said. <laughs> I don't think that's what he Very said. Very sweet and loving tone in his voice. <laughs> exactly. Um, this defense looks pretty darn good. Those chumps? The chumps. Rogers got them the first day. Today they dominated. I mean, yet listen, you talked about it with Gary uh, as your – your overreaction to kick off the show. But Gary and Preston Smith were in Rogers' face all day. I understand it's against a makeshift offensive line, but I think they can be a really good edge rushing duo. Um, they've got more depth on the defensive line. And then you have Devondre Campbell, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage Jr., and then either Rasul Douglas or Quay Walker in there. That's a pretty solid defense. Yes, the depth is an issue at edge rusher, at cornerback, at safety. But in terms of those first 12 guys, it's a pretty pretty solid unit, and it looks like it today, too. Everyone for Adrian Amos had a nice pass breakup. Jair, obviously, is being Jair. Even Rico Gafford, who could be their, their fourth cornerback, had a really good day today. It's funny. I do a player of the day thing for my site, and... I started off thinking, boy, Amos is having a really good day. And then I thought, boy, they just can't block Jaron Reed at all. So he he he, he took the lead for a while. But I'm just gonna go with, with with Gary. But I mean, it's to your point, they've just got they've got guys everywhere. And if they can stay healthy, and of course they're not gonna stay healthy, and at some point their depth's gonna get tested. But that's starting eleven. If there's a better one in the league, and I haven't gone around comparing starting elevens, but if there's a better one in the league, I someone's gotta point them out to me. Because there is zero weaknesses. I mean, there is not a not even somebody even look at it and say, oh, he might be a weak link. No. Zero weak links. None. When they, when they go, they, they call it two spot, and they have like the starters on one side of the field, starters and key backups on one side, and the other side is the bottom of the depth chart guys. Devontae White's at the bottom of the depth chart guys. Mm-hmm. It's no knock on him. No. This is because TJ Slayton is your fourth defensive tackle right now, and he was in that backfield half the day today. Exactly. Definitely looks like a good defense. And I think we'll see as the season goes on. Maybe, you know, maybe they're just trotting out their base packages uh, here in here in training camp. But um, I, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see how many times they play two unsaid linebackers instead of three cornerbacks. And they have to choose whether to play Quay Walker or uh, Rasul Douglas or on more passing downs, which I'm assuming they'll do this. Do they just go two interior defensive linemen, maybe Lowry and Clark, Clark and, and Jaron Reed, and then have both Quay Walker and Rasul Douglas on the field? And that's part of the reason they drafted Quay Walker, because he gives them a lot more flexibility in terms of you know mixing and matching personnel to kind of uh, confuse opposing offenses like we've talked about on this show. Yeah, um, last season, Matt, they were among the top teams in the league running dime defense, which is the one inside linebacker and six DBs. I haven't seen a single snap of it in four days. Yep. Zero. That's what it is. What do you expect? Uh, Pads go on next Tuesday? Yeah, it's shoulder pads Monday, full pads Tuesday. Don't ask me. Don't ask me why they go shoulder pads. and what, What pads are missing? 
If you're going shoulder pads, what are you missing? I don't. I have no idea. I don't know the answer. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Something I wanted to quickly touch on before we get to questions. Um, I asked LaFleur about this this morning, but I thought it was neat how uh, on kickoff return yesterday, there were a couple kick returners. Aaron Jones was one of them. Mm-hmm. And Keyshawn Nixon, who has been on the non-football injury list so far during camp, hasn't practiced, was kind of coaching Aaron Jones up on how to view the field as a returner or, or you know, what to do on special teams. Keyshawn Nixon was one of Rich Bisaccia's core special teamers with the Raiders, and the Packers have a couple of those guys. Dallin Levitt is another one. Rico Gafford didn't play too much special teams, but he has familiarity with Bisaccia from his time with the Raiders. And I think it's interesting not only that Bisaccia clearly has more say in personnel than past special teams coordinators have, even though Brian Gutekunst would never, won't admit that to us, um, but LaFleur talked about today when I asked him about how having these players as extensions of the new special teams coordinator not only enables maybe a little bit of, of not pressure, but a burden to come off the coaches to teach this stuff, but allow the Packers to be a player-led team, which is something that's been a huge emphasis for LaFleur. When you have Nixon, Levitt, Gafford, kind of telling the returners what to expect out of a Basaccia scheme, how to do certain things, because they've done it before. And these are guys that aren't even practicing yet. They're injured. Some guys on the Packers who are, who are returning may not even know their names, but it's helped implement Basaccia's system as they try to turn around these special teams here. Yeah, I was talking to Levitt on, God, on Friday, I guess it was. Um, I was talking about just because he had a quote. It was back when he played with the Raiders. I think it was twenty. 19, it was a story that I read, that he said he would run through a wall for Rich Passaccia. And I, talk, and I asked him about that, and he's talking about, he, he's a, a, he's a great coach, but he cares about your family. He cares about his wife, his kid. When he came out here to sign this contract, when he was busy, Rich watched his kids. <laughs> so, I mean, that, and that's just the kind of guy he is. And, you know, he's got a scheme. So he, there's th- there's, he wants things done. It's not just the X and O's, but there's a, he wants things done in an exact specific way, and that's why I think you're you're exactly right, Matt. We've got these guys who've been there for three, four years with with Basaccia that they really can be that coach in the field because he he can't be everywhere. He can't talk to all eleven at once. So if you can have someone with knowledge of what he wants talking to you know Aaron Jones per se, then he can focus elsewhere. I think it's huge. Yep. All right, let's get to some questions. One other thing, while, while, while you're fishing up some questions, we talked to yeah. Pat O'Donnell today. Okay. Um, it was interesting, and he pointed out during punt today, 
He punted some with the wind in his face and some with the wind at his back. You've, I've never seen that, Matt. It seems like the most logical thing ever. I swear every single time with Menenga and Zook and Slocum and Drayton, the wind was always at the punter's back. Always. Yeah. So it seems like a little thing, but just a little a little Bisaccia touch. All right, from John Stauber, does Jordan Love look improved? I will say, last there are a lot fewer dead duck throws. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems a bit more composed back there. He throws a tighter spiral. Um, for example, like on that pass to Amari Rogers over the middle um, today that, that Rico Gafford broke up, Amari Rogers should have caught that. That'll go down as an incompletion, but um, I don't know if it would be a drop. But he seems to be throwing a tighter spiral. I would say he looked improved. He's in a really tough spot because Oof, he's just kind of waiting, waiting in limbo as, as Aaron Rodgers goes year by year with his career. Yeah, it, there's been time because of Watson has, or yeah, because Watson hasn't practiced and Watkins hasn't done team drills and Malik Taylor hasn't practiced. At one point in the huddle today, he had two guys, two receivers in the huddle who they signed this week. Yeah. That's also a tough spot. And I talked to him about that today. He says he'd call a play in the huddle, and sometimes you can just tell by the look on their face, they have no idea what the play is. So he's got to go tell these guys in the huddle what the route is, and then, you know, obviously, it's not just knowing what your route is. It's being at the right spot in the right time. So he's got he's got some complications in that matter, too. That There's there's a lot on him at this point, just from, from showing he can play, but there's just a bunch of guys who who are just here presently, who've got no experience whatsoever in the scheme. Yep. All right. Josh Reuter, I'm assuming you were the one who yelled at me today after practice, where are the Crocs? Because that's his exact same question. <laughs> um, <laughs> if that's not you, I apologize. But they might come out. My feet are getting sweaty. I'm trying to do a different pair every day. Um, different pair of footwear, I should say. Man, I was sweating big time out there. I've never had as much sweat between, like, on the opposite side of my elbow, like in between my forearm and my bicep, as I did today. It was bad. But Crocs, nice and light. You might see them. Um, I guess it, it's a it's a hit on my brand that I've just become the Crocs guy. I would like to become more than that. Maybe maybe known for my writing, but I kind of dug that hole for myself. I've worn them three the last four. I've worn them three out of four yes, days. Yeah. I, I went with sneakers today because I was going to be at soccer practice. And actually, it was not practice. Soccer game this morning was actually cold this morning, unlike this afternoon where it was miserable. Yep. We need to have right guard. Since you're talking about sweat, we need to have right guard be like a sponsor of the program. Just saying. You, you need Jake Hansen to sponsor the program? <laughs> hey, oh. All right. That's good. All right. From Zach Guile. Outside of 12, is there a more critical player to the team's success than Rashawn Gary, given the depth across the roster? Mm. That's a good question. I would say Bakhtiari is, just from the fact that in 2020, they go to the Super Bowl if he's in the lineup. In 2021, they at least beat the 49ers. But that's a hell of a question, though, because the next man up at this point would be Ladarius Hamilton? Tipa Nalia? One of those two. That's, that's your number two tandem right now. So it's a good it's a good point. I think let me give this some thought. Yeah, if if we're talking about who can't get hurt, 
It's Rashawn Gary. You know, LaFleur said today, um, it's pretty clear cut who our number one and two outside linebackers are, but three through five, it's anybody's guess is the term he used. I was talking to Kingsley and Agberry today, and he, he, he really sees that spot as up for grabs too. You know, he's been picking Rashawn Gary's brain, trying to become like him. He thinks he has a similar pass rushing style, kind of a power rusher as Rashawn Gary, but it's him, Randy Ramsey, Tipa Naliai, Jonathan Garvin, um, Ladarius Hamilton kind of fighting for those three through five spots. So there are five guys fighting for those three spots, presumably the final three spots on the roster. Uh, and like we've said multiple times on this show, Gary and Smith played only about 63% of the defensive snaps last year each. It's not like cornerback where the backup cornerbacks don't play if the starters stay healthy. Like these guys are going to need to play the reserves. So I would definitely say Rashawn Gary uh, is the answer to that question. That's a good question. It sure is. From Jess Man, who is our tight end one while Tunyon is out? Is it Davis? Yeah, right? I would, I would say so. so. I mean, Mercedes is going to start every game because he started. I think he's got the long, he might have the longest tight end streak in the league on, on starts. But as far as being that guy, the most snaps, yeah, I would say Tyler Davis because he's the most well rounded of the bunch. Seems to be anyway. We'll find out here in the next few weeks, but he can block and catch. Yep. Yes, he can. And you know, both of them, and you and I were talking about this at practice today, one of the best indicators of who's going to, who are going to be the final guys on that 53-man roster are um, occupying the bubble spots, I mean, is who, who's on the first special teams units. And we were watching the the punt team and the punt protection team featured both Tyler Davis and Josiah DeGuara today. And Dominique Daphne came in after them. So he seems Davis and DeGuara are in line for those two spots alongside Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis when everyone's healthy. But who knows? It's it's only four days into camp. Um, and it's possible things change. So uh, from Spencer, behind the top three, who's looked good at corner? I brought up Rico Gafford. He looked good today. KB Onento had a nice pass breakup today near the sideline on a, I believe it was Osiris Mitchell, a guy who's just been here for a couple days, but a good pass breakup nonetheless. Keyshawn Nixon should get a good look there as a backup corner, maybe their fourth corner uh, who can play the slot once he returns. Shamar had a nice play today. He thought he intercepted it, you said, but it turned out to not be an interception. They're going to need some guys to step up there because if there is an injury at corner, just like at outside linebacker, they are in bad shape. Yeah, people people keep saying, well, they, they've got three. Yeah, but but you play three most of the plays anyway. So, and, and you and well, Sewell Douglas was the all-time signing, and you just can't bank on finding Douglas 2.0 on a practice squad or or in the September cuts. One of these guys is going to have to rise to the occasion because you're right, someone's going to get hurt and they're going to have to play. And if that guy plays, you know darn well where that ball is going to get thrown to, right? It's not, it's not going to get thrown at Alexander and Douglas if Eric Stokes is out, right? It's going to be thrown at Shamar or whoever is in there. So, yeah, they're going to have to figure it out. It's a huge, 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 huge issue. A lot of yep. issues there. All right, from Unpacking the Pack. At Wisco JK, what are the biggest changes slash philosophical shifts that you've seen in the approach to the special teams units? Um, you know, we've talked a lot about 
are they going to use more starters on special teams? Because Bisacci obviously did that a lot with the Raiders last year. I don't think so. Um, A.J. Dillon was on the punt protection team, the first first unit today. That's a possibility. I know the irony is, obviously, he broke a rib uh, in the playoff game. I think blocking for a kickoff return against the 49ers and missed the majority of the second half, or did he get injured in the second quarter? Um, so maybe him, but we're not going to see guys like Devondre Campbell and Aaron Jones on special teams. You know, Aaron Jones took some reps at kick returner yesterday, but LaFleur said this morning that that's just practicing in case of emergency. And, and he, he praised Aaron Jones for being in all the special teams meetings. I think it's more just a worst case scenario, but um, I think the key is going to be getting those Basaccia guys as key contributors on special teams. Levitt, uh, Keyshawn Nixon. Well, I guess the starter that was on special teams, Eric Stokes was a gunner with the first unit today. So they're just going to put their fastest guys at gunner. No more EQ St. Brown as gunner. They have Shamar John Charles and Eric Stokes as, as gunner. Get those guys down the field. Enough of this fooling around. I, I would say my takeaway is it seems... Not that they weren't up-tempo before, but I, I think they get more done with Passaccia. They could, I mean, they... Uh, O'Donnell punted like 10 times today, and it was just rapid fire, and it was the same with the kickoff and kickoff return yesterday. It just seems like they get more done. I don't think they're practicing in more time-wise. I, I do think they're getting more done, though. But that just seems like that just that's my opinion and my recollection from last year. I could be wrong, but that's, that's my thought. Yep. All right, let's do two more questions. Any that caught your eye? Um, yeah, you know, Jeff Nelson, you're starting offensive line week one. Week one? Um, man, Bakhtiari is just a, a wild guess at this point because we have no indication of when he'll be ready. So I know your bold prediction is that he'll start all 17 games. Yep. I'm going to go Yash Nyman at left tackle, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Jake Hansen, and Royce Newman. Right. I don't think they throw a rookie in Zach Tom in their week one, and I just don't have a great feeling about Bakhtiari. I could be completely wrong. It's just a guess, just my hunch. Yeah, I'll go Bakhtiari, Runyon, Myers, Newman, Yash. Liam wants to know, how many receivers are you putting on the 53? And who are you taking? I think there are six guys that can be considered locks. I'm adding Sammy Watkins in there mm-hmm. for reasons I've, I've said before. Um, Amari Rogers, they're not going to cut bait with him just yet. Um, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson. Unless Watson ends up on pop to start the year, misses the first four games, then they can take win free and not have to worry about him being the seventh guy, but I think they take six. Um, you know, Winfrey's had a really good camp the last two years, and then he kind of had an injury late in camp last year that that stunted his growth, got brought up midway through the season, played in that Arizona game. Um, but I'll go six, and that sixth spot is either going to go to a healthy Christian Watson or Jawan Winfrey if Watson is still injured. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I got it. Maybe Watson is is the way around that. Winfrey's been a starter all summer. Yeah, and you know, if you look ahead, Lazar's a free agent, Cobb's a free agent, Watkins is a free agent. 
I feel for years and years and years around here, Matt, we've talked about keeping seven receivers and they never do. Maybe they have to this year just just because you got to think for the future and you like these young guys some. It is going to be interesting if everyone's healthy, including Watson, what they do there, though. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. That's the best part about camp is the position battles, and there are some good ones going on right now. Hope you enjoy this episode either tonight, on your off day, good Sunday morning listening while you're mowing the grass, sitting by the pool, sitting on the beach, get caught up on the first four days of camp. Uh, Bill is churning out some great content for, for SI. I'm churning out less stellar content for The Athletic. Um, Rashawn Gary story? When's that going? Uh, it's going to get posted in a couple minutes. Oh. And I thought it was interesting. I, I talked to, like I said, I talked to Kingsley and Agberry today, and it was funny because I, I look back at a story I wrote in August 2019 when uh, I talked to Zadarius Smith, and he said that on like the, the first Saturday of camp, he got a call from Rashawn Gary while he was at the movies with his girl watching Lion King. And he was like, dude, I'm at the movies. I can't talk right now. But Rashawn Gary had been watching Zadarius Smith's tape and wanted to pick his brain, like ask him everything about it. Like, how do you set up the alignment this way? What'd you do on this? What'd you do on this? And I asked Rashawn Gary uh, about that yesterday and said, are guys kind of doing that to you now? He's 24 years old, but he's a fourth year guy. He's a vet in that room along with Preston Smith. And he kind of chuckled um, and said, you know, 55, a Nagberry is kind of coming to me for stuff. So it, it was cool to hear a Nagberry talk about kind of picking their brain and, and watching them when he was at South Carolina and just trying to soak up all he can. It's a pretty solid spot. If you're going to fall in the draft like he did, despite his production in the SEC, to come into a spot with two proven guys like that and a wide open depth chart behind them. Can't wait to read it, Matt. So for Bill, for me, We'll talk to you again next week, one a week for training camp, especially since there's a lot going on. Uh, So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.